This is Time Signatures with Jim Irvin, a podcast and radio program presented by the Capital Area Blues Society in Lansing, Michigan. Most any contemporary musical style can trace its roots back to the blues. Time Signatures explores the blues and its musical connections with captivating interviews, lively discussions, and news from the world of the blues. And now, here he is, your host, Jim Irvin. Hey, Parker, thank you so much. We are pleased and honored to welcome today's guest, Ben Levin. Uh, Ben's story is another one of those incredibly fun, epic journeys that we've seen time and again in the world of music. But it seems that we've seen more than our share uh, over the last 20, 30 years in the world of blues. You got Joe Montemassa, you've got Kenny Wayne Shepherd, you've got Johnny Lang, just a few of the examples of the musical prodigies that have made good in the blues genre. But today we have the likes of uh, the UK's Toby Lee and also Ben Levin. Ben, welcome to Time Signatures. Hey, thanks for having me on, Jim. I appreciate it. Well, we are glad to have you here. And, you know, one of the things that we try to do is uh, do our part to help keep the blues alive. And it is so exciting to me when I see uh, younger musicians come to the fore and do as well as uh, what you're doing right now. And I have to be honest with you, I was just exposed to your music and I instantly... Oh, no kidding. Yeah. yeah. And uh, a friend of mine wanted to go down to see you in Cincinnati. And unfortunately, there was a scheduling conflict and we couldn't make it. But man, I got to tell you, I love what I hear. You are definitely an old soul, man. Thank you. Thank you. I've gotten that quite a bit. You know, I love the old school, traditional blues and jazz and, and soul and R&B. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm always pulling from stuff from way back. Well, and I think it's fun. I, I was reading your biography here, so I'm going to step back just a little bit talking about your fascination with the blues piano began when you caught a look at the biopic Ray when you were just six years old. Now, I have to ask, what is it that caught your eye or should I say your ear when you first saw that movie? I'll never forget hearing Mess Around for the first time Mm -hmm. from, you know, watching part of that film and it just knocked me off my feet. I was dancing (laughs) in front of the TV and, and that to me is the first time I really recall hearing blues, but seeing, okay, you know, you can lead a great band from behind the piano. And Ray's, obviously, that's a really rocking tune. It wasn't long after that that I first started taking piano lessons. Can you remember the moment when you realized, was this this that moment for you when you realized that you wanted to be a professional musician? No, that that wasn't it. Because at first it was just learning for myself. I, you know, I had no idea about playing out. I, I didn't even dream about it then. Even though my father was a musician, I mm-hmm. had seen him play gigs around Cincinnati. You know, I'd just been around it my whole life. And when I was 11 years old, after taking lessons for a few years, that's when I started sitting in with my father's band. I would say around 11 and 12, that's where I realized, okay, I really love this, and this is something that I want to do. Fantastic. I have to tell you, I was blown away when I read that you've been doing 100 shows a year since the age of 15. Now, most kids your age want Xbox or PlayStation time, but you were definitely destined to travel a different path, weren't you? 
yeah you know weekends buddies at school hey ben let's hang out hey i'm working you know mm-hmm. friday and saturday night are, are prime nights to play gigs and so like i said i've been playing gigs since i was 11 right and i really started picking up and getting serious around 15 and 16 i try to explain to people it's like getting bit by the bug and there's no going back <laughs> right and once you get into it i mean there's just so many great things about being a musician the friendships that you develop with other musicians but also with fans you know some fans turn out to be more than that and you meet great friends and it is really you know something that my father has instilled in me it's a, a privilege to be able to to play music and entertain a crowd absolutely and I rode with my dad to a lot of gigs when I was still living at home. I, I live in an apartment now. You know, my father always tell me, he said, Ben, we're the luckiest guys in the world. And and it's true because playing music is, is just such a wonderful thing. And to be able to be paid for it on top of that. <laughs> that's a bonus. Just, that's that's just, what they call the yeah. bonus nacho, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I always say, hey, I get paid to sit up and tear down my PA equipment. The music's free. There you go. Well, Ben, Mark Thompson called you an old soul because of your ability to absorb so much from the blues piano traditions at such a young age. But you truly had some help in this area, and I'd like you to kind of talk about those early piano lessons with the fellow Cincinnati-based blues and boogie pianist Ricky Nye. Ricky has been such a wonderful friend and mentor to me. I can't give him enough props because... I had taken some piano lessons before I met Ricky, but I wasn't all that interested. I first started out with a classical instructor and I really didn't like it at all. And after a few months of it, my parents finally let me quit. And then I connected with this young guy who's actually one of my dad's students. My dad's a, a professor at NKU. Okay. And he helped me get interested in the piano again because I'll never forget, he came to the house for lessons and he'd say, hey Ben, what do you want to work on? And so we worked on whatever I was listening to on the radio. I wasn't really into blues that much. I was six or seven, so mm-hmm. you know, I maybe work on Coldplay or stuff, whatever was popular. <laughs> and then I connected with Ricky when I was eight and that was so instrumental for me to start the path of where I am today because Ricky showed me the the basics okay Ben you know here's the 12 bar blues here's the scale practice it in all the keys and then after a while once I started getting the basics he helped me work on a song in the key of C which is like the easiest key to play in our piano (laughs) okay and it's like okay you gotta develop independence from the your two hands you gotta have your left hand playing rhythm you know, and being able to solo in your right hand without thinking about what's going on in your left hand. So, you know, developing all this stuff that is so important for for blues piano because uh, there, there's a great boogie woogie piano history book, and the title of it is "A Left Hand Like God." And these guys had amazing left hands, and they didn't even really need a bass player because they're pounding away. So it, it's things like that. And once I started getting interested into it, really interested in blues. Every few weeks, Ricky would send me home with a new CD to listen to. He burned me a disc and said, okay, Ben, come back next week and just get 
one lick off of this and then we'll work on it together. So, you know, he'd send me home with, of course, Ray Charles always loved Ray. <laughs> Absolutely. But then, yeah, then he, he really introduced me to the, the heavy hitters of, of blues piano, like Otis Spann, mm -hmm. Memphis Slim, Sonny Land Slim, Pine Top Perkins. And there was a, a Cincinnati based piano player who was a mentor to Ricky. His name was Big Joe Duskin. Okay. So we worked on some of his stuff and New Orleans piano. I've, I've always loved Professor Longhair, Dr. John. And it, it's one of those things, it sounds very specific. You know, you say, oh, I play blues piano, but it's such a vast world to dive into because there's so many great players there's so many great recordings to listen to and the more you get into it the more you discover it's it's a never-ending treasure trove it's like peeling the onion isn't it just layer after yeah, layer it, re it really is absolutely yeah you know um at the age of 13 you appeared for the first time at the cincy blues fest by 15 you took the role of full-time piano player for your father's weekend band the heaters now how were you received by those in attendance at that first show? When you first started coming on stage with your dad, um, how about the venues? Did they did they treat you well? Did they accept you? Or how long did it take you to turn them around? Well, you know, my father has always been such a great front man and showman. Really, I've always admired his uh, charisma on stage. So... When I started out, it's like, oh, hey, here's Aaron's son. He's really cute. <laughs> so <laughs> it was, uh, I don't want to say novelty because I was playing, but it was a little bit of a, I guess the word would be a shtick. So everybody was really friendly to me. I, I didn't really run into too many issues like that. I mean, you know, you talk about when I was 13, I played the Blues Fest for the first time. I was really nervous that was one of my first times on a big stage and i was the, the first set of the day to kick off oh, man. the piano stage no pressure at all yeah <laughs> no, no pressure right and they were having all <laughs> kinds of of sound issues and so let's say i was supposed to start at noon and play till one i don't think i started till close to half past noon because they kept having issues with mic feedback and so I'm I'm sitting up on stage just trying to keep my cool and get ready to play. And, and I'm sure you've had other musicians explain this. There are a lot of nerves, and it just depends on, on the show and, and how you're feeling. But the overwhelming majority of the time, as soon as you start playing, it just melts away. And next thing you know, you've and got then, them in the palm of your hand, right? Yeah, and that takes a really long time to develop the stage presence and, sure. and being comfortable in front of an audience and yep something I, I still work with of course I, I feel comfortable now in front of my audience singing and playing but I, I certainly was was still very shy 13 and 14 15 I, I think you know once I started gigging really regularly like you said 15 16 100 times a year it's like riding a bike you do it so much you start to figure out okay you know this is how I want to run my show you know i modeled sure. myself after my father and my mentor ricky you take a little of this or how they do it and then say okay you know this is this is how I'll, I'll front the band yeah i feel like i'm in a good place very comfortable and, and confident 
Absolutely. Hey, you're listening to Time Signatures. I'm your host, Jim Irvin. We've got Ben Levin uh, based out of uh, Cincinnati, if I'm not uh, incorrect. Is that uh, is that right? You're in Cincinnati area? That's correct. Absolutely. Beautiful, sunny Cincinnati. And <laughs> and it's so much fun because I've had the the ability to hook up and connect with some younger musicians who are, you know, making their way in the blues today. It's a lot of fun because, you know, when I was growing up, I can remember you know, we wanted to be in a band. We wanted to start a band, but we never, we never got it done. And it's so exciting when I get to talk to guys like you who started early in life and you didn't talk about it. You just did it. And you pursued right. your, your passions and different things like that. I mean, at 17, you released your debut CD, Ben's Blues, had four original songs, including some covers from some of your favorites. And then you started mm-hmm. getting some invites to clubs and festivals in Europe. Talk about that for a minute. And that had to be off the charts exciting for you, yes? Yes, wonderful experience playing overseas for the first time. It was really a dream come true because growing up with Ricky as my mentor, there was always maybe a month or maybe two, I can't really remember, out of the year where Ricky couldn't teach me, he's overseas playing gigs. Okay. So, you know, I had always heard about it. He'd come home with all these stories. And when I was 17, I was invited to play at the uh, La Roccabru International Boogie Woogie Festival. Mm -hmm. It was about six hours south of Paris by train. And uh, I really got to give a shout out to a young piano player in France, Nurek Mokar. Okay. I had met in Cincinnati a few years prior, and he really helped me connect with this festival in France. It was great. You know, I was 17 and <laughs> my parents traveled with me. So we, we flew into Paris, spent a few days there. Then of course took the train down to the, the countryside where the festival was. And a friend of mine, a piano player I'd already known for a few years, Ethan Linelon from St. Louis was there. Uh, Daryl Davis, wonderful guy, great musician was there. Then some other old friends. So you know, I'm, it was a long ways from home, but I had my parents and, and a few other musicians that I had already known. It was just such an amazing experience to be able to play, you know, blues and my songs for an audience so far from home, so oh, far yeah. in Cincinnati, and and everyone was really receptive. You know, it was a <laughs> it's hard to explain. It's well, just a great. And it's and it's my understanding that Europe really has a burgeoning blues appreciation. I mean, they don't uh, they don't sugarcoat. They don't keep it small. They put on these great big festivals like you would find, you know, big um, stadium shows like, you know, for rock and roll or classic rock here in the United States. But they do it for the blues over there. I think that somehow we we just have never caught fire the way Europe did with the blues and that goes that goes way back doesn't it yeah you know there's always um this thing where a musician is is more appreciated outside of their hometown and especially outside of their own country you know because Mm -hmm. there has to be something said for when i go over there or any other blues musician for that matter the people in the town say okay this is my one chance to see them who knows when they'll be back right and so it's it's special it's exciting and, you know, like you said, this is nothing new. That's been going back to the 60s when 
blues artists first started traveling overseas, the American Folk Blues Festival tours with Muddy Waters and all the Chicago guys. Oh, yeah. And, you know, a lot of great blues musicians ended up settling in Europe. You know, Memphis Slim, I believe, lived out the last years of his life in Paris. There's another great blues piano player, uh, Little Willie Littlefield. He ended up in Amsterdam. So, yeah, there's always been a real strong love and appreciation for blues over there. One of these days, I've always said this, one of these days I want to get over there because I'd like to catch one of the big events. I mean, uh, there there was a group that just was over in Romania, uh, including Larry McRae and Toronzo Cannon, and um, I believe Joanna Connor was over there as well. And I've gotten to see Larry's from Michigan, so I get to see him pretty regular. It's exciting. Um, but I got to see Joanna and Toronzo at a blues event down here in Jackson. And um, nice. it was so much fun. And then I got to see uh, one of my one of my bucket list concerts was Buddy <clears throat> Guy. Got to see him in June. And uh, he was the one oh, that, yeah. that really turned me on to, you know, the, the history. Because, I you know, I'm a fan. I've been a fan for most of my life, but I don't know the history. And one of the things I liked about Buddy is that he gave us a history lesson while we were there. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, Buddy's one of the last men standing his generation. I've seen him a few times yep. over the years. I've always loved his playing, and he has made a few records with Otis Spann on the piano. Who, You know, if you talk to any piano player, he's <laughs> Otis Spann is the god. He's the greatest for blues. Absolutely. So I, I've, I've got to keep moving here. i got so much to cover. There's um, Yeah, yeah. There's, there's a lot to cover here. But I wanted to talk to you about taking part in the Dayton Blues Challenge, which you won. And then you went off to the International mm-hmm. Blues Challenge in Memphis, where you placed in the semifinals. But you also got to meet somebody really special, a, a former guitarist for the late, great Muddy Waters from the 70s. Talk about uh, of, about Bob for a minute. Yeah, steady rolling, Bob Margolin. So my father and I had already connected with Bob through email because I was planning on going down to Clarksdale, Mississippi that summer for mm-hmm. the Pine Top Perkins Foundation Blues Workshop where Bob is one of the head instructors for the master class. And so we had traded some emails back and forth and the way we met Bob in person was pretty funny. You know, I had played the night before in, in one of the challenges in Memphis and so I'm I'm in the room sleeping and my dad comes in who knows what time it was you know I was a teenager it could have been 10, <laughs> 10 11 a.m. my dad's been up for a few hours I'm conked out he says Ben you'll never guess who I just had breakfast with in the lobby he says, I don't know and he's a Bob Margola and he's staying at our hotel you know come on get dressed come on down <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so so yeah, I met Bob and we just talked about music and you know, Bob when he was in Muddy's band, uh, was with Pine Top Perkins for seven years, one of my heroes. Sure. And so we talked about that and really hit it off. Bob is another guy who's been a really kind mentor and, and friend to me. And so we ended up bringing in Bob to do a, a special blues show and in Cincinnati wonderful in May of that year following year we brought Bob Margolin back into town with Bob Corator and did a recording session which became my second release before me 
And so I've gone back down to Clarksdale three or four times since then. I always enjoy seeing Bob Margolin down there. And the Pine Top Perkins Foundation is like a big family. It's all Mm -hmm. students and families. And, you know, for me, just priceless connections with the instructors like Bob Margolin and Bob Stroger goes down there every year. Billy Branch has been an instructor now for a few years. So it's really just a, a wonderful thing. It doesn't surprise me because one of the things that I've noticed about the blues artists is they are all very approachable. I mean, I haven't seen anybody yet who isn't. Um, you know, they want to yeah. they want to take you. Under the, I'm, what's that? <laughs> I said you'll meet them. <laughs> no, I, most everybody is, is very nice. Yeah, well, I'm it's, it's just kind of cool because they they're taking the next generation under their wing and they're nurturing and they're helping them grow and. You know, I think that if we are to keep the blues alive, which, uh, you know, look at what Joe Bonamassa is doing with his uh, foundation and with the KTBA cruises, which I see you've been on already um, as a performer. Yeah, I was on one of those. Oh, man. And that that had to be a thrill for you as well. Oh, that was, <laughs> was one of the greatest trips of my life. The cruise took off from Athens, Greece, oh, wow. and then stopped in Mykonos for a day and then Kusadasi, Turkey. So I saw all these cities. Otherwise, I would never be over there. And of course, the cruise itself. <laughs> so many great musicians. Joe, of course, but uh, sure. Keb Moe was on there. Uh, Tommy Emanuel and a bunch of others. I can't even keep everybody's names straight because it's it's such a, a big cruise packed with bands. I mean, it's Almost all day, there's about three or four bands going at once in different parts of the boat. A thrill a minute, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's Definitely. just one big party. And I'm really excited. I'll be on the legendary Rhythm and Blues cruise that takes off from San Diego. Nice. We've awesome. got to get you, we have to get you up to Michigan. That's all there is to it. We need to, uh, we need to find a way to get a, a venue or two to bring you up here to play because people need to get a taste of what you bring to the table where do you see yourself in the next five years where 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 is your trajectory headed do you think well i'm i'm trying some some new things and some new projects just in the last few years i've I've really uh, developed a strong appreciation and love for hammond organ so nice a few months ago i bought a portable organ rig something I can gig with without having to <laughs> buy a trailer and haul around a, a real Hammond and a Leslie cabinet right you know? right so you know I, I really want and I, I will in the next few months start a, an organ trio and, and quartet project nice where I'll still be playing blues but also dipping my toes into some jazz but soul jazz like, like I like to say very accessible listeners absolutely because um, it's it's so close to blues so you know that i i definitely want to continue to develop my chops on organ you know and understand more jazz theory for piano because this last year i've been playing a weekly steakhouse gig in cincinnati and okay. i'm playing uh just solo piano music while folks are eating and, and drinking cocktails and stuff so nice it's been a fun challenge for me to stretch out and, and learn some standards like uh misty and, and some nat king full stuff very cool 
Well, listen, my guest has been Ben Levin. He uh, joined us today on Time Signatures. Uh, I think we're going to hang around for another episode here because there's so much yet to talk about. We want to thank everybody for tuning in. And most of all, thank you all for helping us keep the blues alive. This has been Time Signatures with Jim Irvin, presented by the Capital Area Blues Society in Lansing, Michigan. For more information on cabs, visit capitalareablues.org. You can find this episode and past episodes at lccconnect.org. The Time Signatures theme song, Michigan Roads, is used by permission and was written by Root Doctor, featuring Freddie Cunningham. Until next time, keep on keeping the blues alive. <laughs>